Well, hi there. You're listening to the Title Town Podcast presented by Wisconsin Sports Heroics. My name is Austin Gannon, and I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Daniel Marhanka. Daniel, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. We are back. We're, We're off back. the designated uh, <laughs> injury list, and we are mm-hmm. here uh, ready to provide a great offseason full of Packers content and looking forward to next season. For sure. Daniel, it's, it's been a while since we've done this, since we've uh, recorded a podcast, posted a podcast. Uh, so I wanted, before we dive into the, the Packers stuff and the goodness, I want to start by kind of addressing the elephant in the room on where we've been. We've been incognito for quite some time. We have been. We fell off the radar. <laughs> well, the you know, fortunate news for me personally, and I guess unfortunate for the side of the podcast, was back in November I did get a, a promotion with my job, which was good. But unfortunately, it led to a lot of work, just a lot of extra work on my end, a lot of losing of free time. Imagine that, having a job and you having to work. I, and a terrible. And it's something else. <laughs> First world problems. First world problems. <laughs> but yes, and so unfortunately, that just led to where back in November, we just couldn't align on recording, getting together, the time it took to prepare the podcast and not have it suck. Because that's the Correct. important thing, Daniels. We don't want this to suck. We don't. Even if, even if it's something we don't want to end suck. up like the Bears. We definitely don't want to be the Bears. The Bears still suck. Man, that just feels good. To say that that. Fe- feels good. Feels good to say that. Saying that to whoever's listening for the first time in a few months feels really good. Fantastic. I just that just got me excited for the rest of the episode. So we we said, you know what? We're just gonna hit the pause button on the podcast. Well, we'll still be active on Twitter and all that. But, you know, we're, we're still watching the games together. And we did. We watched pretty much, I think there was only one game we didn't watch together. Correct. Uh, but we just, we hit pause on the podcast. But now as things have calmed down and we're in the off season, we're hitting the unpause button. It, it's hit. The unpause button is hit. And, you know, I think it was good. It allowed us to kind of take a step back because we kind of dived in to it from the, basically the start of training camp to, yep. you know, doing two episodes a week. And, you know, being a content creator takes a lot out of you. And can, yes. it, it takes a lot of work, especially if you do it a, a, in addition to another job, as both me and you do. So I'm excited for this next season, though. I think oh, yeah. that uh, we want to best serve Packers fans because they're the best. They're the most loyal fans out there. And I think, you know, hearing two other fans' perspectives might get your heart uh, ready to go to start creating content or, you know, really being more passionate about the team because I think that's something special that Packers fans are kind of known for is they know their stuff. And yep. I think there's plenty of you guys out there listening who could be your own content producer, could yes. do, you know, write articles and stuff. And everyone is always looking for the new writers, the new content creators. Yes. So always it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. So I think, you know, and you have to start somewhere. We had to start somewhere with this. Yes. Right. And I think, you know, we saw, you know, we reached out to a lot of people at the beginning and mm-hmm. a lot of people were so nice, gracious, yes. giving us encouragement, Fantastic giving us fan base of just great humans. Absolutely. Giving us encouragement, giving us critiques, giving us, you know, that constructive criticism. That is what you need to hear. And mm-hmm. I think that is what's so cool about this kind of band of, Packers, writers, and content creators is everyone is willing to help out everyone. It's not a huge, you know, race to the top kind of a thing. Because there are other fan bases that it is cutthroat and they will help you. So it's it's very cool and and super thankful for the community of people on the internet 
in the last year that we've met Absolutely. through doing this podcast and writing with Wisconsin Sports Heroics of just fantastic humans who Absolutely. have supported us along the way. So it's, it's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Well, now that we've made up for that, Daniel, since it's been a while since we've gotten to do this, I want to give you the floor. It's yours. Recap in your frame of mind the Packers 2020 season. Go. I want to say this, that the Packers have sustained really great success for about over 20 years now. You know, the 90s were terrific with the Ron Wolf, Brett Favre, Reggie White days, you know, not losing a home game for what was it, two straight years and different things like that. And then, you know, you kind of had a few great 2000 playoff wins against, you know, the Seahawks. And, you know, of course, the crushing loss to the Falcons, the first ever home game, home playoff game loss uh, to Michael Vick. And, you know, then we kind of started into the later years of Favre. And then we've been on this kick with Rodgers. And I feel like Rodgers, after the 28th season, uh, the 2018 season, went through a reset. And this was year two of that reset. And these yep. have been my two favorite years as a Packers fan. Really? And they're just so fun because it feels like the team is energized. They're energetic. I, I think of like the 2016 team who went to the uh, NFC Championship game and obviously got blown out by the Falcons. But that team was on their last leg. And yes. everyone knew that they were depleted of talent. And you kind of knew that this was probably going to be the last run for at least a few years because they really needed to retool. And then, you know, a few years later, getting guys like Jair Alexander in, you know, developing Kenny Clark out of that 2016 season. And then 2019 rolls around and you get a new coach, fresh energy, you know, um, a lot of young players starting to come into their own. And then last year, 2020, we saw this team, I feel like, hit a very good peak. And I think, obviously, the granddaddy of it all would have been to win the Super Bowl, to go to the Super Bowl. And they came up at least a handful of plays short. And I know that's really disheartening to hear as a fan, but just to be in the NFC Championship games two straight years after a major organizational reset yeah. is a feat. And that's why I think... That these funds are these uh, last two teams have been so fun to watch. You have guys like Zadarius Smith, who's kind of the 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 hype of the team, who yes. gets everyone going. And then you have you know things like the D train coming through. You right. have uh, I think Matt Lafleur just bringing that fiery energy on the sideline. You have Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level, saying that he's a completely new man. He's found love. You know all these different things. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And that might be in the news uh, segment later of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers finding love. Yep, but, we got to talk about that. But I really do think that these two seasons have been so much fun. And that's not to discredit the 2011-15-1 team. That's not to discredit the um, you know 2010 Super Bowl team or even tw 2009 or you know all the NFC Championship games we've been to and the playoff moments and stuff that we've had. But this team was just super, super special. And I think I will always remember this team in a very fondly manner. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, and it's interesting how you started that off, just looking at perspective. And I think that's really important here. Uh, when you look at this, these last two years and really um, the last 10, 15 years, yeah. how many other 
fan bases, how many other teams would kill to have the exact same run the Packers have had yeah, the last and, 10 to 15 years. And I feel like sometimes— NFC championship losses and all— Short, you know, come up as it all, but still having as many NFC championship berths and having a quarterback as great as Aaron. Perspective matters. And I feel like that's kind of what I want to try to keep my mind away from is that wandering of, well, we didn't win the Super Bowl, so the season's a bust. But I think that's not, it is what football's about, but it's also about the journey. I think of all the fun regular season games. I think of, you know, the playoff wins and the losses and how fun they were and how much it controlled my emotion for weeks on end. But that's that's part of the chase is the journey. And I think, you know, I really do hope in the next, you know, however long we have Aaron for or however long we have Jordan Love for that there is another Super Bowl at the end of this kind of window of time because that's what you do play for. But this has been a heck of a journey for over 20 years. And obviously, you know, the sixties were also another powerful era in green Bay uh, folklore, but those ended in championships almost every time. Yes. But I do think that this has been a special run and, you know, we'll look 50 years from now and think, you know, even if the Packers do have to rebuild down the future, down the road in the future, that these were some of the best times in Green Bay. Very, very fun last two years, for sure, with everything going on. Uh, Daniel, what? Hmm, I'm trying to think of how we want we want to go here, but what would I don't know? Do you have a moment or a game that stood out to you as your favorite from this last year? Um, I personally, my favorite game was. And I we posted a uh, thing on Twitter this week, kind of saying what your favorite game was. Mine was blowing out the Titans because <laughs> we heard ever since the opponents for 2020 were coming out that Derrick Henry was going to come into Lambeau Field and run all over us. I was one of those people saying, and that. he had I think 23 carries for held him in check, just right under. Um, 100 yards, and that was an awesome feat. And to just blow out the Titans in the snow was an absolute... You, you cannot put an expectation on a team that you haven't seen. Yes, And I feel like in a lot of games where I thought the Packers may have rolled over or they their pass would tell me that they probably would have, they stood strong. I think of the Colts game, I wasn't extremely confident in that game. But them even putting up that fight and, you know. That was a fun game. That was, I mean, there's a reason why they play it almost, <laughs> replay it on NFL Network almost every week. That was a phenomenal game that, you know, obviously we came up short and, you know, it could have been very well a blowout for us. We could have blown out the Colts in that situation. But this is this was just a very fun year. But I definitely look to that Titans game as probably one of my favorite moments. Yes. Mine personally was that Saints game. That Saints that, game was another big one. That was another big one, another really tight game. It, it, it meant so much. You know, the Saints, everyone was t- breaching the Saints are the big bad team in the NFC, and we go down in the Superdome, albeit without fans. Without Devontae Adams as without well. Without Devontae Adams, and we go in and we beat them. And I, one of my favorite plays of the whole year was that uh, Zadarius strip you know, from, of Taysom Hill as he's going for the run. Z strips the ball out. Gets, turns the ball over to basically win that game. Absolutely. Very fun for sure. I think this is, you know, I think we're coming out of that Mike McCarthy era where I think all of our mindsets have been just polluted of we won't win big games. <laughs> and that, and I feel like this year kind of cured me of that. I was yes. confident in almost 
every game that we would win just because of how well this team just responds. Yes. And, you know, they are always up and willing for a challenge. And, you know, I, I have a few more thoughts on some of their losses this year. I was going to we'll, say, I want to kind of get the negatives a little bit. But uh, I just really do think that this team learned how to win big games this year. Yep. For whatever reason we did, though, this year and last, we had that one opponent who beat us in the regular season. And it is the reason why we lose the postseason. We do. We don't want to talk about that, Austin. I really wish we would have played the Saints again. Me too. Especially in Green Bay, that would have oh, been. I wanted that so bad. I wanted to end Drew Brees' career so I, bad. <laughs> that would have been a very fun NFC Championship game that we did not receive this year. But I want to talk about if we're going negative. I want to talk about this. Okay. All of Matt Lafleur's losses have the same feeling and vibe to them. Besides the Colts one, on. that one felt a little different, is this. I feel like when Matt LaFleur and when our team loses, and I know it's not just all in the coaches, the players need to be held accountable, but Matt LaFleur is so quick to put all the blame on himself after these losses. And if you look at the offense and how it's ran, it is completely different. I understand in a lot of these games they're either fighting from behind or there's some kind of dynamic in the game where you have to shift. But I feel like, and it was very prevalent in the NFC Championship game for me, because when he gets into a situation that he feels like he has to, I don't know if he like maxes out his offensive creativity or something, but he just gives the ball to Aaron, and it feels like the Mike McCarthy days. Mm. I feel like that was so prevalent in the NFC Championship game of we're within one score, we have three drives to score, and it felt like we passed on every down. And if you look at it, there was only a handful of runs in those sequences yes. when, you know, and of course the last drive of the game being at the eight-yard line and not rushing it one time, when you have an A.J. Dillon, when you have Jamal Williams, yes. when you have a, a, a handful of really good playmakers and you just choose to go to Devontae Adams three straight times. Do you, do you think also it was a lack of confidence in Aaron Jones because he played arguably his worst game? Well, he he game. was in and out just with injuries, and yeah. so I think but putting the ball, ball in the dirt twice. Yes, putting the ball in the dirt twice, but also you have AJ Dillon who is running pretty well in that yeah. Buccaneers game, and you have Jamal Williams just giving the Buccaneers a wrinkle in those three to four drives where you're within one score or two scores, and I I understand. A lot of, you know, let Aaron cook. He was the MVP of the league and different things like that. But you became so predictable. And I feel like you could pinpoint that to a lot of these losses. Yeah. And uh, I just think that this is kind of the difference between Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan is they are, even if they're down, are committed to that running attack to stay into the game when I feel like, and this is a byproduct of Matt LaFleur having Aaron Rodgers and uh, Kyle Shanahan having Jimmy Garoppolo and mm -hmm. Sean McVay having Jared Goff for four straight years. This is a product of, I have the MVP, I have the three-time MVP who's known for the deep ball, so let me just kind of give it in the hand. But I feel like in so many of these one uh, score games, if you just were to commit to the run a little more, I feel like we may have had a different outcome. Yes. And looking at that NFC Championship game further, I mean, having 
if you would have told me that Brady was going to throw three picks, yes, I would have said, how much did we win by? <laughs> Only the Packers. Only, Only the, the Packers. Packers. You find a way to lose that game. And I mean, we can we can bring up the conspiracy theories of how nothing was called the whole game, but there is still a lot of plays in that game that could have totally changed the tide for the yep. Packers. And I think the offense was accountable for that loss. They really yes. were. I feel like the defense put them in a lot of good scenarios. I know people are going to say, well, Kevin King got burnt the whole game. Shannon Sullivan got burnt the whole game. They really didn't. It was a byproduct of, uh, we're not going to pick on Jair Alexander. We're going to go for these other guys. And, you know, I feel like the Buccaneers offensive line played really well. Yes. And it was really tough on the Packers safeties and cornerbacks. So I, I don't give any kind of heat towards any of those guys. I think they played their hearts out. I think Kevin King on that play to end the first half was absolutely put in a terrible position yes. by the coaching that was staff. Bad. That was, that was absolutely call. terrible. No one to help him on that side. When you're facing Scotty Miller, a guy who tried to uh, basically outrun Tyreek Hill the week of the Super Bowl, that is just a uh, an example of coaching of, you know, not really – I don't know, adjusting to the game, really. Yes. And I think that was that a Greg Williams esque move. Play call, very call cover one in that spot. Just. And so I just, it's, it's really tough for me to kind of, you know, not blame the coaching staff when it is such a execution based game with players. But I think those are a few things that I've just noticed in Matt LaFleur's kind of what, eight losses combined? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the, in that NFC Championship game, the, the only play, even more so than the holding, even more so than giving up that touchdown at the end of the first half, was in that last drive at the end of the game, if Aaron runs to his right, <laughs> if Aaron runs, he's on the three or four yard line. At, at least. At in, minimum. In that, minimum. In best that, end zone. And that puts Matt LaFleur in the situation of, well, we have to go for it now. If, if you're on the three or four yard line, you're going for it. Though. You're and, not kicking the field goal. And that's just one of those what ifs. That's one of those split decisions. What if Brandon Bostic doesn't fumble the right. onside kick in 2014? What if, you know, Ladarius Gunter doesn't cover Julio Jones in the 2016 NFC Championship game? <laughs> like, these are the things that we'll always wonder. What yes. if Mike Pettin had good linebackers, or not good linebackers, but put his linebackers in good position to make plays in the 2019 NFC Championship right. game against the 49ers. We'll never know. <laughs> but this game also, there was no excuses either. There was no excuses. 2019, the excuse was we weren't at home. That's true. And that's the thing is this team, when it came to put up or shut up, they kind of got shut up yep. because they said they wanted this thing at Lambeau. They got it at Lambeau. But also another factor is, we would have won that game in probably the Super Bowl if David Bakhtiari was healthy. I agree with that. Screw the narrative, uh, not the narrative, the actual fact that he got hurt in a non-contact practice on a Friday <laughs> in yeah. December. That is absolutely terrible luck for the football team and the organization because, you know, I don't think Rick Wagner was terrible by any means in the season, but he looked overmatched but that, in the, the offensive Buccaneers line got game. Bullied in that NFC he looked absolutely game. bullied in that game. And I think David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner really would have put in a better showing that yes. probably would have lent to the Packers scoring over 30. Yeah. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I was watching the Super Bowl, sitting there thinking, assuming everything else is the same, assuming that same Chiefs team shows up, assuming everything else happens the way it happens. The Packers would have been hoisting a Lombardi. 
Absolutely, that would have been the that would have been the fifth Super Bowl trophy in which in Green sucked Bay. worse than the loss. It, it did. It was it was sobering. I don't I'm, know if I, we would have beaten the Chiefs last. I don't think that, I don't know if we would have beaten the Chiefs in 2019. Yeah, but that 2020 game, assuming again, it's all the same. Yeah, we could have won. And that's the thing that we'll be kicking ourselves for years to come. And uh, honestly, it really set in when the Buccaneers were kind of co- when they did basically their run out of the tunnel of that should have been us. That really should have been us. And this team was really, really fun to watch. I think we've said that a hundred times in this episode. But it would have been so great to finish off this season with a fifth Lombardi. God. You're right. Just going to let that set in for a second. (laughs) Second. Uh, Who was your favorite player this year? Individual player. Aaron is the obvious answer, but is there yeah. anybody else? And maybe it is just Aaron. You may have just enjoyed Aaron that much. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was absolutely awesome this year, just playing in rhythm. And then I also love to think of, you know, Devontae Adams having a breakout in a half year. I mean, absolutely just Monster filthy. Year. Only playing in 14 games as well. And that too. Like, he would have, I mean, he definitely would have broke the touchdown record. 100%. And then there's just so many other things like he could have got another 15, 14 reception game that would have put him in another conversation. Right. But I think, honestly, I loved watching guys like Adrian Amos, these role players who we paid a few years ago to really step in. And I feel like at the back half of the season, he was absolutely dynamic. He was a. I think the heartbeat of the defense in a lot of ways. I think him and Darnell Savage, the way they started to gel together makes me so excited for this next season. Yes. And I think also the Packers stayed relatively healthy this year. They did. Other than David. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Other than David and then AJ Dillon being out with COVID-19 for an extended period of time, this team stayed relatively healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that really helped this team win those games. And I think that will be kind of, you know, I think at the 2010 team when, you know, there's 26 guys who were at least missing five games or whatever the stat is. And if they want to win another Super Bowl, they might have to face more adversity. This year almost seemed too perfect at times. Too easy. Other than and, the box, too easy. And obviously Aaron Rodgers playing outside of Lambeau Field with no fans all season, allowing him to do his hard counts and Mm -hmm. basically change whatever he wanted at the line of scrimmage due to no crowd noise was absolutely phenomenal. But, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of great players and role players who really stepped up for this Packers team that I'm just excited for going into next year as well because I think a lot of these guys, it's the Packers' way of draft and develop, find guys who you know you can get to cheaper deals and then develop them uh, through free agency. So I think that uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it was such a fun year just to watch Aaron um, on and off the field. I mean, I don't, I, I, I think you did because we talked about it a lot. But his interviews on Pat McAfee show every week, absolutely, were fantastic. so much fun. Absolutely it was so great fantastic. to see Aaron in a way that we don't get to see because he doesn't do media interviews. He doesn't, you know, talk to people. But doing interviews every week with Pat, someone he knows he's comfortable with, and kind of let his guard down and let us see a side of him we never saw. And playing at an MVP level, winning MVP, in spite of the team drafting Jordan Love. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the whole Jordan Love, and I'll never forget hearing those five words, Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. That that moment, I watched it the other day, and it just like, it stabbed me in the heart again, just like it was on draft night. But having that happen, and Aaron, in spite of that, 
still having a great of a year as he had, which is so much yeah, fun. Yeah, and, and I mean, we'll never know if he used that as kind of, you know, Michael Jordan fuel or what it was. Yeah, so much it, of that is just media nonsense. Because it, it's also second year in a system. Right. Having all the same weapons back, you know, Alan Lazard developing, Marquez Valdez-Scantling developing, different guys like that really stepping up. But we'll never know if that was kind of the Michael Jordan moment for Aaron Rodgers of they draft this guy and then I need to prove them why I've been the franchise for 10 plus years. Yep. But I think, you know, I want to put some of the Jordan Love discussion towards later in the episode. But I think that it is a very interesting time and we might be going into one of the more interesting off seasons in Green Bay Packers history. For sure. Anything anything else on on the 2020 season before we move on? I don't think so. I I mean it was a phenomenal year. Fun year. Very fun year. I mean from we didn't know if this season was even going to happen to what it became and how even through, you know, not being able to go outside and go watch these games with a whole lot of friends or family, not being able to go to Lambeau and tailgate and everything. This was a tremendous year, and I feel like it brought so many people together. And yes. I mean, it was something I looked forward to every single Absolutely. week was to watch the Packers game because it was one thing that felt normal. It, yes. it, you know, with the, of the, everything else with the artificial the crowd noise and everything, watching Aaron Rodgers throw bombs to MVS and Devontae yes. Adams weekly was absolutely phenomenal. And I've been struggling with that now of like not having that thing to look forward to every week. Yeah. It, just it, think it just having your forefront just having your mind. And that's such a real thing. And going back to kind of what we talked about at the start of the show, this is what makes the Packers community so great. Mm-hmm. Is none of this talk, none of the articles, none of, you know, the highlight videos have stopped. It it continually goes on because everyone loves this team. And, you know, whether you watched games with your dad growing up or you found the Packers on your own, it is truly something that brings so many different people together across, yes. you know, racial lines, across political lines that the Packers really bring us together. For sure. Absolutely. Great way to the to wrap up the 2020 season. But, Daniel, we got to do what we did every week in the regular season. Okay. We got to put 2020 in the rearview mirror. We have to. It's 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 behind us. It's it, in the rearview mirror. It's gone. But now? 2020 what? Who? Who? <laughs> who? Speaking of that's the good segue, uh, we're going to go into talking about 2021. And what yeah, we you, are. And you said it. Turn down for what? Turn down for what? Oh, for what? Yes. <laughs> oh, I get it now. J.J. Watt. What, 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 how are we feeling? What are we thinking? It would, it's the all-time story if it happens, but how confident are we that it's going to happen? I'm not really sure. Obviously, they have some interest because everyone's reported that they've had interest. Mm-hmm. And now there's all this talk on, you know, J.J. having his final three teams, the Titans, the Bills, and the Packers. And, you know, a report comes out every day saying that one of those three teams is the new favorite. So it's really... We're in that point of he just needs to say who he's going to so we can stop the speculation. But J.J. Watt coming home. How spectacular. It would be absolutely wonderful. The kid grew up wanting to play at Lambeau Field his whole life. With a Sharp and a Reggie White poster on his wall. He tweeted about a couple weeks ago. Grew up rooting for the Packers. 
Come on. It, like, that would just be going to Wisconsin, having that experience to uh two uh, preseasons ago with him and the Packers yes. having those joint practices and him getting to ride the bike from Lambeau Field to Don Hudson Field every day for a week. You have to think he's in the back of his mind thinking, what if I came out here and everyone was wearing 99 jerseys chanting JJ every single morning in August? My heart wants it so bad. My head, understandably, understands it might not happen, but my heart wants it so bad. And that's the thing is, will the Packers want to fork out the cash? And I know a lot of the speculation, I think, is just the agent trying to drive up his price tag. There's no way uh, one of these top three contending teams is going to pay an aging veteran $16 million a year, especially one with a pretty severe injury record across the board. But I think the Packers should definitely call some people (laughs) about (laughs) this and I think they have and they've done their due diligence but I definitely think it's going to have to be a a hometown discount somewhere or another my heart wants it so bad just I I, might I would just explode with joy if it happened it'd be so great it would be and then we yeah and then the whenever the the home game is at Lambeau and it's his first home game as a Packer would just be electric he comes out of the tunnel electric saying the guy from or the man from Wisconsin defensive end came home JJ Watt I mean the place will erupt even if there's not fans in the stands you (laughs) will you will hear it in Wisconsin (laughs) but also kind of segueing this that's the type of player the Packers need on their defense yes I think you know we're gonna keep saying inside linebacker but I don't think the Packers see that as a very big position of need just because of what they saw in Chris Barnes and uh, Kamal Martin. I think they played tremendous last year, uh, way over our expectations. You can argue that Chris Barnes played just as many snaps, just as good as Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray for being an undrafted guy. And obviously we spent draft capital on another quarterback where we could have got one of those guys. I yeah. Back to that <laughs> but, draft night when it happened, I, me and you were sitting there watching it and I was screaming that the Packers were trading up to draft Patrick Queen. Yes. You're calling me an idiot and saying I was wrong and it t- turns out I was wrong, but I was <laughs> I was adamant that they were trading up to draft Patrick Queen. Yeah, and so I think they have a bright future at that position with those two guys. Just between, these guys are different from what we've seen in Green Bay because they're good in coverage, but they're also very fast and will attack the ball carrier. And I think they're two really good playmakers. So I think adding J.J. Watt next to Kenny Clark or someone of that magnitude, of course we thought it was going to be Snacks, who ended up playing uh, only a handful of snaps Mm -hmm. and a few games with the Packers. But I think J.J. Watt in this defense would really, if Joe Barry can have a really good kind of first season as Packers defensive coordinator, having J.J. Watt there will definitely help him succeed with that. A a front seven with Zadarius, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, and J.J. Watt. And then arguably one of the best secondaries in, in the league. In the league. Nasty. It is nasty, and, and you brought up the the Joe Barry thing, and I'll transition. I was going to transition to that of the the coaching changes that happened. Correct. How elated were you when uh, Sean was dismissed? Sean Maniga. Maniga. I'm glad you said it because I'm terrible <laughs> at saying his name. Uh, I was absolutely thrilled. 
I was calling for his head after the end of last season. Yeah, you were. And I think this might be the most interesting special teams offseason that we'll ever see. We will, in training camp, book it. Everybody book your tickets to get to Green Bay in August because we're going to see a punter battle somewhere or another. J.K. Scott is has to have competition this offseason. No, you think so? Absolutely. He and does. He does. I, I love him, <laughs> but he does. Everyone was calling him uh, J.K. 47, but he's really J.K. the BB gun at this point. <laughs> and, you know, we saw it in the Super Bowl. It's a weapon, we saw it in the now. Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs. They have this young punter who basically screws them over for seven points at yep. the end of the first half with him, you know, kicking it 27 yards. Yes. You do not want that to be you in those big games. And I think that, you know, obviously there was a lot of other struggles with special teams, but punting was a main one and also kick returns. I don't think I've seen such piss poor kick returns, punt returns in my life. It's so bad. It is absolutely terrible, especially when, you know, the ones that you think they're going to bring out, they don't, and then the ones that are five yards deep, they bring out when you could have gotten just to the (laughs) 25-yard line and everything would have been okay. It is infuriating. It is infuriating. And games we'd watch together later in the season, it'd be like, all right, where's the special team screw up? Yep. How is special teams going to screw this game up? It really felt like that because I think the defense and the offense were playing so well at the end of the season, and it was literally why these other teams were sticking in the game was just a special teams blunder week after week. The Jacksonville game. The Jacksonville game, absolutely. <laughs> that is the one that to point to. Me. The Jacksonville game. The only reason they were in it. Was I think I blocked out of the, that game out of my mind for so <laughs> many reasons, and that is one of them. And I think oh. I like the idea of hiring an in-house guy. His name is kind of leaving me as we're talking, but hiring the in-house guy was a really good move because obviously he knows what didn't work and he has the trust of LaFleur. Also, there was a lot of reports that a lot of other teams were interested in him and the hiring of him. So I really like them kind of keeping the in-house guy. Yeah. Maurice Drayton. Maurice Drayton. He's my new guy. He's your new guy. He's my new Until guy. Until he's not. Just because he's not Sean Meninga, he's my guy. <laughs> wow. Poor Sean. Has he found another job? I'm not sure. At this point, I'm not sure. He came from the college ranks, I think. Really? Yeah. Mm. Uh, what about the Packers letting Mike Pettin walk and the hiring of Joe Barry? Okay. If I would have known they would have hired Joe Barry, <laughs> I would have been on <laughs> with keeping Mike Pettin. <laughs> And terrible? here's the thing, though, is I don't want to get too um, strong with this opinion because we're not sure what Joe Barry will bring. Change. And he was a part of the number one defense of the 2020 season. With so, the Rams. With the Rams. So I'm I'm totally not out on him. The door's but not shut on it. It just felt like Mike Pettin was starting to get into a decent rhythm towards the end of the season. And, you know, having the number nine overall defense in the league, really, they were showing progress and just the development of the secondary. And, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, that was just Jerry Gray and what he brought. And that very well could have been. But I feel like Mike Pettin really was getting in stride with some things. And it felt like he was kind of ripped from the situation. And obviously, you know, a lot of people were calling for Pettin's head. And at times... It was like the dumb fan thing to say because they didn't have any other original opinion. (laughs) And I mean... Fired Mike Pettin. Why? For a few times, 
last season for a lot of times in 2019, I was right there with him. Yes. With saying that, you know, they should probably make a move on him. But I think what's very interesting about the whole deal and obviously the Jim Leonard situation with obviously giving him an offer I was gonna to say, jump aboard. The thing with Joe is Joe was not the first choice. Joe was not the first choice. And that's what kind of worries me. Also, what worries me is why they didn't at least interview Wade Phillips. That was probably yeah, that's an interesting that one. was my top candidate. I think of what Sean McVay was able to do with Wade Phillips and getting to the Super Bowl with kind of the the old wise defensive coach with and the young the offensive defense. hot shot. How that could have worked and just the connections that Wade could have could have brought to Green Bay with players either wanting to play for him or also assistant coaches. Yeah, assistant coaches too. He could but have brought with him. I like a lot of the assistant coaches on the Green Bay Packers team. I love I Mike too. Smith. I love Jerry Gray. I love Jerry Montgomery. Those three guys are some of my favorites to kind of hear from and really see their product on the field because I think they have developed really good young talent. But, I mean, the the jury's out on Joe Barry. We don't, we don't know what he's going to be. And I think that at least leaves some intrigue. And I think, you know, if he brings something – to this defense, if he wants to play more aggressive, mm-hmm. I, I welcome him. Yeah, I I was legitimately on the on the side of they were going to bring back Mike. I I was. It felt like that because I thought it was going to happen. It was silent right after the season ended. Mm-hmm. It was silent, and then you know they hear we hear that they're not going to re up his contract, and then yeah. the rest is history. Right. So again, we'll see. Jury's out on it, but it, it'll be interesting. If things go south next year or the year after, if people start saying, oh, I knew we should have kept Mike Pedden, I'm going to reach through my phone and slap somebody. <laughs> the first person that writes that, I'm going to lose my mind because they were calling for Mike Pedden's head. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think here. Uh, before we transition to the NFL as a whole, Daniel, what do you think of uh, some of the moves of the Packers? If the Packers are going to sign J.J. Watt, if the Packers are going to sign a Richard Sherman, anybody else out there? Hey, what other moves do you think the team needs to make? Exa- example being Preston Smith. Yeah, I think a restructure of Preston Smith makes sense. I don't You're know. You're not if, on the out, outright cutting him. I'm not on the outright cutting him, and you know we're not sure what Preston Smith's bottom or ceiling is because I think the first eight weeks of 2019 we saw a premier pass rusher, and we haven't seen that since then. But what we've seen is a great rotational pass rusher. If Joe Barry can keep him out of pass coverage, please God, that Mike Pettin was so fond of using him in, I think he will be a great rotational player that I think they should take a risk on restructuring his deal to free up some of the cap. Mm -hmm. Because I think, obviously, Rashawn Gary's getting that second pass rush job next to Zazarius Smith. And I think he's proven that. He's earned that. That's why they spent a 12th overall pick on him. But I think what we saw... um, kind of not having that Kyler Fackrell guy this year mm. really kind of set us back in a lot of ways. And obviously, Rashawn Gary played a lot of snaps, especially with his hand in the ground or Zadarius' hand in the ground. So obviously, Preston Smith is still needed, especially on third down, because I feel like that rotational pass rusher on third down is so key to this team's success. And after Rashawn Gary, then you go to Randy Ramsey. 
and who hasn't had a lot of snaps. Obviously, he's shown so many flashes of being a really good player in two preseasons ago and then his limited snaps in 2020. But I definitely think having a veteran guy, having a veteran guy in that spot would be huge. So I think restructuring Preston Smith would be huge. I think restructuring Aaron Rodgers, at least giving him a big signing bonus and kind of punting the money to later on in the deal, Mm -hmm. however long they keep him. And I think that's another discussion that we can have with just what they'll do with Jordan Love, what they'll do with Aaron Rodgers in the weeks to come. And uh, obviously, you know, they already cut Christian Kirksey, already cut Rick Wagner. I was surprised by the Christian Christian Kirksey cut. I thought he was going to be that guy they keep as the veteran rotational piece. Uh, Yeah, because for the inside linebackers. Yeah, Yeah, because right now we're looking at – Kamal Martin, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and uh, Kamal Martin. Right. And that doesn't make me feel great. And I think having Christian Kirksey there would feel better. But I think they do have a lot of confidence in Kamal Martin developing really big this year. Uh, But I think one guy that I would say would be a dark horse is Rick Wagner. I really think they might re-sign him to a a, uh, smaller contract. Uh, bringing him back in. Bringing him back in because I'm not sure how long it will take for David Bakhtiari to get back in. Yeah. And how, I mean, will he be 100% by week one? Doubtful. And so you're going to need two top-tier tackles, and they're definitely going to address it in the draft. And Brian Gutekist, if he knows anything, as he hits really well on offensive linemen later on in the draft. So I think that, you know, Having an extra veteran uh, offensive tackle would be really good. I know he's contemplating retirement, so whatever happens with that happens with that. Yeah. Uh, any other moves you can th- you can think of uh, as far as the Packers need to do to possibly open up for J.J. Watt? Uh, what about Devontae? I mean, yeah. That's another one, too. I think time is – we're not sure if by the time you listen to this episode it's going to get done, but I think an extension is coming soon. The Packers are highly interested in making this guy the number one paid wide receiver, and I think they should. He deserves it. He's After the, the best. He I'm sick of the disrespect. I am 100%. going to say it and be the homer, but I don't think it's homer. I think it's straight facts. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. Preach. And it's time to pay him. 100%. And however long Rodgers is going to be there, you're going to want Devontae there with him because oh. the, <laughs> that that is a connection that we haven't seen in a while it's definitely a lot of people compare it to the Jordy connection and the Jordy connection was awesome but this Devontae and Rogers connection right now is something special oh for sure and there's also a lot of external factors as well for what the team could do if they're going to get in a position to sign JJ or anybody else Uh, the TV contracts by the time you listen to this uh, rumor is that it's going to get announced in the next week we're recording this on a Sunday, so within the next week, it's rumored that the TV extensions are going to be announced. That's going to affect the salary cap. And that will, I think, put into play how, quote-unquote, all-in the Packers are this offseason. Mm. If that deal gets done and there starts to become approximations for how much the salary cap could be next year, I really do think that the Packers might go in for a lot of uh, kind of middle-of-the-road aging free agents to kind of staff mm-hmm. this team. For sure. And speaking of, of, of that, the supply is going to be through the roof. Absolutely. There's going to be so many players out there. So many good 
players are getting cut right now. Yep. And I think I mean, the Von pe- Miller is rumored as on the rumor mill. He might be gone by the time you hear this, but I mean, Von Miller is rumored to be cut. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. If the Packers are patient this offseason, they could really make out later on in March and April with some really good players who have sat on the market who other teams don't have money for or can't think of how they can make the salary cap work. And the Packers can come in and say, hey, you want to win a ring for cheap? Come to Green Bay. We're ready to go all in on this thing. Yes. Where do you think Aaron Jones goes? We need to talk about it. A lot of people on, on the internet are up in a blaze about it, but I think you and I have the same consensus. The only of, of, the same yes. consensus of he's not going to be a Green Bay Packer. I don't think so. The only way he stays is if he franchise tags. Franchise mm. tags, if he gets the franchise tag, would be around $8 million, Yeah, and it would give the Packers a lot more options. If he doesn't want to play in Green Bay, you can still trade him on that franchise tag and get something for him, or he stays in Green Bay and you have a really good player for about the amount that you were going to pay him. In my opinion, but if he's over that eight million mark, if he's going to about you know what they're saying, you know twelve million a year, ten million a year, I think he's got to go to a team like the Dolphins or someone like that. But I just don't think uh, the contract aspect will be in Green Bay. I think it'd have to come through a franchise tag. Yep. Is there anybody else I'm missing that we could talk about? I don't think so. I mean Jamal Williams. Yeah. I, I still like he, the Packers. He's, he's preaching that he wants to be a Green Bay Packer. I still think the Packers will get him. I'm not sure how you feel about that. Yeah. But I think they're going to get him. I can for see him cheap. going out there and it being at the end of March, him sitting out there not getting anything, and then the Packers signing him for a very team friendly deal. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that would be ideal because you don't want to leave it just to Dylan next year. I, I don't like that idea. But. I don't also like the idea of going out and getting a guy like James White. I think you need an every down back as a secondary backup to what A.J. Dillon brings. Right. There's definitely going to be some interesting players out there, interesting scenarios, players available, especially quarterbacks. I mean, I I don't know if there's ever going to be another offseason where we see as many quarterbacks move. I know. As as, as they could be, as it could be. Absolutely. At this point, we are we are thick in the uh, rumor BS season of the off season. <laughs> yep, because nothing has started, and the new league year hasn't started either. So. Hasn't started, and everything you know, everything's a rumor. Everyone has sources, you know, and, and everyone on Twitter can say what they think is going to happen or think they have an, an opinion on it. But Daniel, let's get out of here. Huh? Let's, let's do just, it. Let's just wrap this thing up. Huh? Let's do it. Daniel, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Daniel Marhanka. That's M-A-R-H-A-N-K-A. Austin, where can people find you at on the internet? You can find me at Austin A. Gann on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the podcast at Titletown Podcast on Twitter, Instagram. We have a Facebook page. Also, importantly, be sure to check out our friends at Wisconsin Sports Heroics. They have fantastic writers, articles, and podcasts to keep you in the know on all things Wisconsin sports. But also, also, also. Also, also, also. <laughs> also, also, importantly, please be sure to follow the podcast on your platform, on your podcast platform of choice. Of choice. Nailed it. <laughs> and please leave a review. Let us know what you think. Share it. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Man, I haven't gotten to say that in a while. That feels nice. Tell your grandma. Tell your best friend. 
Have your grandma listen to this. She'll love it. it Austin hit. has a great way with grandmothers, people over 60. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what to say to that. Until next time, see ya. Adios.